Welcome to the Issa Rugby Podcast, where we bring you the latest news, updates, and interviews. With more insights from the Springboks. It is the Springboks champions of the world. The Junior Box, the Blitzbox, our two national women's teams, local competitions, and more. Francois Lowe announced his retirement from rugby last week, calling time on a career spanning 15 seasons of senior rugby. A toughest nails loose forward, Lowe played test rugby for the Springboks for 10 years, during which time he amassed 76 tests, culminating in the Rugby World Cup triumph in Japan last year. My name is De Jong Borchardt, and today I'll be chatting to Flo about a career of ups and downs, bumps, bruises, steals and tackles, as we look back at his time in green and gold and blue and South African 22, and again another penalty conceded. How many that's half a dozen New Zealand penalties, and we've not played half an hour. Francois Lowe getting in over the top, really good work for the break. Let's have another look at this. Ritalek takes it in. Francois Lowe is the tackler and just gets straight in there. I think Ritalek just goes to ground a little bit too early there. Lowe stays on his feet. Doesn't have to move away because he's made the tackle and hasn't hit the floor with him. Chest gets low and it's going to take a very strong, strong person to move him away when he's there that low. Good play by Lowe. Great to welcome Francois Lowe all the way from Bath in England. Uh, Flo, thanks for taking time to chat to the SA Rugby podcast. Uh, let's kick off. Um, it's been an interesting couple of months across the globe. And uh, just tell us, what have you been up to recently during the, the COVID-19 lockdown? Uh, hi DJ, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, this is uh, seems to be the opening question I do get a lot, is what have you been up to during uh, lockdown? Um, I suppose as everyone else, just trying to take it uh, stride by stride, really work, trying to work out what's going on. Um, obviously from a rugby perspective, our season was abruptly stopped, halted, um, and we were all sent home. Uh, to wait further instruction. You know, this was come March time and uh, you know, heading into July, now the 1st of July. And, uh, you know, at least here in, in, in the UK, um, guys are slowly getting back to training in very small, isolated groups, um, which is interesting. Um, obviously, I'm not a part of that because uh, I have recently retired. But uh, in terms of keeping myself busy, um, you know, it's just been... Uh, quite phenomenal, really, to spend so much time with the family. You know, considering uh, our, our touring exploits last year and the amount of time we spent away um, with the World Cup, um, so to spend so much time at home with my kids has has really been invaluable and uh, you know quite quite heartwarming from my side, really. Yeah, that's a, that's an added benefit, I suppose, of the lockdown period is getting you know life slowing down a little bit and getting time, extra time to spend with your loved ones. But for you, obviously, it had the the sad um way of of almost ending your career um you know you you were probably hoping of playing a few more times for bath um but that didn't materialize so just tell us when did you realize unfortunately you know the season was over and and with it your career had come to an end yeah i think i think uh look i i made the decision to retire um you know this season quite a while back um you know it wasn't as a result of you know, this this is a recent COVID uh, outbreak, the pandemic. Um, but I mean, I think this this whole thing caught us all by surprise, really. I mean, we were you know all going fine one week. We heard about you know we read about a few 
cases popping up in in China, um, and I don't think anyone quite uh, realized the magnitude, at least at at at, at that stage, of, of what this does mean. Um, so really, from one from playing one week to the next week, it was suddenly go home, it's over. We need to uh, we need to look after ourselves. Um, and obviously, everyone's very optimistic, hoping this thing's going to just blow over in a couple of weeks, and it's an overreaction. Um, but we all realize that, that you know, it's absolutely not the case. It was, it is something very serious. Um, the world hasn't experienced something like this since what the Spanish flu in the early 1900s. Um, so, yeah, when you, I think when, I, when you look at it from that perspective, it's uh, it is disappointing that I didn't have a final game. Um, but it's it's quite insignificant in the greater scheme of things. You know what's going on. Looking looking around me, seeing um, you know the hardships that's happening with the, the meltdown of the global economy, the domestic economies. What's happening in South Africa? What's happening here in the UK? Uh, you know unemployment. People really just you know not being in a position to to take on this this huge uh, pandemic. Um, and I think that, that puts it in perspective for me. You know, it makes me realize that, look, you know, although I would have loved to have played a final game, it, it's really quite a small, uh, insignificant worry at the end of the day compared to what's going on. So, uh, you know, I, I, I do sometimes think back, it would have been nice to have completed the, uh, the season in a, in a in a nice fashion um but that wasn't meant to be and uh you know that doesn't uh, that doesn't actually bother me at this stage yeah you're right i think i think this whole thing has given everyone a bit of perspective on life and on what is really important and uh while i'm sure all our listeners believe and we all do that rugby is massively important in the biggest scheme of things i suppose there's 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 more important matters in the world um let's go back to a bit of a, a happier time um 2006, to be precise, precise. it's about 14-odd years ago. You were a fresh-faced 21-year-old. Um, you made your Western Province debut back in those days, following sort of in the, in the, in the footsteps of your grandfather. What were your dreams as a youngster uh, making your professional debut at 21 for Western Province? Yeah, my, make, making my debut uh, for Western Province is one of the highlights of my career. You know, as, as a young boy growing up, we were very fortunate to have season tickets um, at Newlands, uh, you know, didn't miss a Curry Cup game. Um, you know, didn't miss a Stormers game. Um, you know, so as a, as, as a young boy growing up, uh, it was always my dream to, to represent Western Province, um, you know, to run out for our local team and uh, you know the blue and white hoops at Newlands so uh, when I finally got that opportunity um, which uh, well to play with, uh, was up in, in Bloemfontein was my debut but to, to play at Newlands uh, was was one of the pinnacles of my career um, you know exciting to obviously have the history that I do in my family with my grandfather having played for for, for the team as well and being president of the union uh, at, at one stage um, so to Similarly, following his footsteps in that regard was was huge for me. It was really exciting. Uh, it was a dream come true, uh, and, I, and I and I do look back very fondly at that time. I want to chat about a bit more about your grandfather a bit later, but but firstly, um, you you came through the ranks as a youngster, uh, but you never played in the youth weeks. Yet you you came into Curry Cup, like you said, two years after your debut in two thousand and eight. You played for the Stormers in, in Vodacom Super Rugby. Um, do you think 
there's there's maybe a bit too much being made of you know players representing provinces from 12 13 years onwards to make it all the way to the top when when you you didn't even play craven we get you made it to the top as a springbok and won a world cup yeah i think it's it's you know difficult for me to comment because i don't quite understand the uh you know the systems and the structures in place to you know develop and nurture young talent uh, in South Africa, and um, I didn't understand that at that time either. Um, but yeah, it was you know it was a big disappointment for me not to not to represent uh, Western Province at Curry Cup uh, at sorry at Craven Week level. Um, and you know I, I, I'll, I think I'll be lying if I say that it didn't sort of knock me back a little bit. Uh, you sort of start to question your ability, your skill, and your talent. Um, you know to perhaps further career in, in professional rugby. Um, you know, when you ask the question, does it, uh, is, is it the right systems in place there? You know, is it uh, something that, you know, people place too much emphasis on? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, how, how many players from, from the youth leagues actually go on to, to become pro? Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know those stats, uh, but I, you know, I, I do know that in my first two years at, at university, it um, you know set me back in a sense of uh, you know the players that did represent uh, their, their unions at, at schoolboy level were um, seeded quite quickly into the uh, sort of the first teams and the A teams at, at under nineteen and under twenty level at Selimosh at least, and uh, you know my, my path was a little bit longer, um, but you know. Not uh, not everyone has a smooth road, and I made the best of it, and, and managed to to push through, uh, improve myself, uh, and then finally got my opportunity. And you seem to have progressed through the ranks quite quickly in those early years. I mean, it was only four years after your 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 senior provincial debut, uh, you made your Springbok debut in that same year, just before you played against Wales, though. You were involved in a in a match that was quite special at the time. Um, South Africa, we were getting ready to host the the Soccer World Cup, and uh, Loftus Fashfield wasn't available for the Super Rugby final. The Stormers had a great season, made it into the final, and then uh, you played against the Bulls uh, at Orlando Stadium in Soweto. Just tell us about that match. It must have been a, a very different kind of experience to you know having having played at the major stadiums most of your life. All of a sudden, you're in a different setup, different stadium, different noise, Vivazellas everywhere. That must have been quite cool. Yeah, I have to say it was an unbelievable experience. Um, you know, not 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 only to play in the in the Super Super 15 final uh, against the Blue Bulls, but to uh, play at at such a unique stadium uh, in, in in the rugby context. You know, having all these massive stadiums in South Africa. Um, with, from all the unions, um, and then moving the final to uh, a soccer stadium in Soweto, um, new atmosphere, new ground. Uh, you know, I think that that just created so much excitement around uh, what was to come. There was a buzz for the World Cup arriving. There was a buzz that two South Africa teams were in the final facing off one another, uh, and, and in the heart of, of of one of the biggest uh, you know cities in, in in South Africa, Soweto. Um, you know, so fantastic to be involved in that. Uh, good memories. Uh, the Vuvuzelas were 
very loud uh, to say the least um, <laughs> but uh, you know that's that, that was part of the atmosphere and it was a very very great uh, very great and exciting game to be a part of uh, but unfortunately it didn't go away um, we lost uh, you know that's I think that's one I'd like to say got away from us um, it was it was the 29th of May 2010 and amazingly enough a week later uh, 5th of June you were in Cardiff and you made your Springbok debut against Wales. Um, what do you remember about that day? Yeah, I think I think as you said, uh, DJ, it's, uh, it, it does kind of move quite quickly. Um, you know, one week, uh, you know, we, 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 we're gearing up with Super Rugby playoffs and the final, um, you know, and, and in, a, in a mix of that, you suddenly get announced as part of the, the Springbok squad to go on a, a one-off test match tour to Wales, uh, unusual in the middle of the year. Um, you know, the excitement around that, uh, you know, was, was obviously surreal. Uh, you know, it's it, it's the pinnacle of, of achievement uh, as a South African rugby player. Um, so to be called up and be involved in that was, was amazing. Um, you know, it was obviously June is summer in the UK. Uh, you know, it was, it was beautiful, Archer. Um, you know, I, I remember that test match very well. I remember the singing uh, and, the, you know, the, the Welsh fans, how they can carry on at the Millennium Stadium back then. Um, so to, to make my, my Springbok rugby debut, um, you know, playing alongside some of my heroes, um, obviously, you know, throughout my career was, uh, was, was, was definitely a dream come true. So that was a, a unique test in the sense it was played in, in, the, in the summer in the UK. Uh, there's a lot of talk about, you know, moving across to a global season. And I'd like to get your thoughts on that, especially, you know, having played in the UK for so long, um, having made your debut in a summer test, so to speak. Um, do, you think, do you think there's merit in, in, in the discussions of moving the game into a more of an aligned global season? Yeah, I think... Currently, the, the issue is really around uh, clubs, uh, at least this side, um, you know, losing losing their top players to international games. You know, at the start of the, the premiership season here, um, we lose our Southern Hemisphere players to the championship. Um, in November, we lose Southern Hemisphere and Northern Hemisphere players, um, obviously, to the, uh, the Autumn Internationals that are this side, the end of year tour. And then come, uh, you know, come sort of earlier in the year, February time, uh, we lose all the local uh, English, Welsh and, and Scottish players, Irish players to the Six Nations. Um, you know, so the, the ultimate result in that is, is really a depleted domestic uh, tournament, um, which is quite sad in a way. Uh, you know, people want to see the best teams performing and playing consistently all the time. Um, so to put a to put a global season in place um, could perhaps mitigate against you know losing losing those players to the various international tournaments and sort of segregating domestic tournaments and leagues to uh, you know to the international tests, um, uh, which I think would be better. Um, and obviously, you know, should should they try start or start moving uh, seasons uh, on both northern hemisphere sides, uh, it would be quite a help to uh, move ours to the summer, I think. Uh, you know, come January, February, March here in the UK, it's tough rugby, it's wet, it's cold. Uh, you know, it's it affects the game uh, big time. Um, you know, so to create more of a summer-style summer, uh, uh, game this side, 
um, you know, I think will 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 and could provide for a better brand of rugby. Um, but obviously, every nation has uh, you know has their domestic, uh, I suppose, issues that they need to deal with to make sure it's all aligned. Um, but I think you know, from my perspective, if they can if they can get something together, um, I think it'll be be uh, it'll be better for the game. Uh, it'll be better for the fans. Um, you know, and uh, definitely better for the players to play in in in, in, uh, in you know dry weather. Uh, you mentioned the weather, and obviously in South Africa we are blessed with with wonderful weather, um, especially in winter. You know, it's 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 the sun is shining at the moment. It's a beautiful day. Cape Town is renowned to to you know to have a bit of a tougher um, when it comes to winter weather. But uh, I want to go back again to the 12th of June, 2010. It was a glorious winter's day in Cape Town. Your second test was against France at Newlands, a special day. And you scored a try in front of um, the, the, the stand on the north that is named after your late grandfather, Jan Picard. How special was that? Amazing. Um, you know, as, as I said previously to, you know, to play my first uh, West Rose Curry Cup game on on my home soil at Newlands was was something to behold. Um, and likewise, my, my test career followed similar suit in that it was my second game that I I played at uh, at Newlands. Um, I mean, what a test! It was uh, a good win for us. Uh, you know, we had good momentum. Um, and as you said, I uh, you know I was fortunate enough to score a try. Uh, back in those days, I scored a lot more because. Uh, you know, I often find myself find myself at the back of the mall. Um, so I took the glory for that. They've since changed the rules, uh, but obviously to score a try there, um, my family being there, uh, our home crowd uh, was very special, very memorable. I just want to chat to you about your, your grandfather Jan Picard. Um, he was a Springbok in the fifties. Um, was there ever pressure on you to follow in his footsteps? I think if there was ever any pressure that that, that came from from me, um, you know, from a family perspective, uh, absolutely not. Um, in fact, I think it was a stage where my dad tried to convince me not to play rugby. I think there were a few um, <laughs> severe severe injuries in the nineties where a couple of guys actually hurt their necks. Um, you know, the game was it just turned professional sort of post ninety five, and uh, you know, I was still trying to. Um, really work out how this is going to work um but uh i think there was there was pressure from myself to to perform um now i think i'm quite a proud person and uh you know want to want to prove myself to a certain extent um but as i said i think my 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 goal my asset was always to play for western province anything over and above that was uh, a bonus and sort of and those ambitions developed over time um you know, post after school. Um, obviously, every young South African uh, kid w- wishes they could or hopes that they can be a Springbok rugby player and dreams about it. And that's, you know, I think that's the beauty of the game, you know, whether it's backyard rugby and you pretending you, you know, some of the current players um, running around there, um, you know, whether or not you have the ability is irrelevant. Um, you know, but for myself, it's, you know, I think once I, I got a taste of, um, you know, senior rugby and, you know, realizing, well, look, I, I think I can hold my own here. I think that's that's when the the drive uh, quickly developed uh, to push on to try and be the best player I can mm-hmm. be and, and see how far this, this game can take me. 
Well, it certainly took you far. Um, for someone who wished to only play for Western Province, you ended up playing 76 tests. You played in three World Cups, um, three vastly different World Cups, if I can, if I can say that. Um, obviously, the, the victory in, in 2019 in Japan, uh, a pretty, pretty heartbreaking bronze medal in 2015 when, when the box just came up short against New Zealand in the semis and then getting knocked out in 2011. Uh, you didn't you didn't play much in that 2011 World Cup, um, although I think you came on in the quarterfinal. Um, what do you think would would be the the biggest differences between the three campaigns, 2011, 2015, and then last year, winning the World Cup in Japan? Um, you know, I, I think the reality is that they all three eras and all three World Cups. Uh, you know, was so different from one one another. I mean, the rugby, the quality of rugby was different. It changes. The obviously the personnel change. Um, uh, there are a lot of new laws that are that come in every every other year. Um, you know, so I, I think it's I think it's unfair to compare them uh, directly to one another. Um, you know, obviously the results in, in the latter were much better, and we you know we slowly climbed up, uh, got better and better. But I think to you know, to, to really line those three tournaments up against one another and say, you know, what was the, the overriding difference? Um, you know, 2011, uh, we, had, we had, you know, 2010, we had two teams in the, in the, in the, in the super final rugby. Um, you know, yet, yet New Zealand ended up winning the, the 2011 World Cup. You know, how does, how does that work? Uh, you know, those all obviously, you know, Go, it sort of goes against what you think momentum really is. Um, but, uh, you know, if I, if I can just obviously comment on the final year of 2019 and, and what, what really stood out to me was um, the uh, the process of, of alignment that, that Rassi instilled in us, um, you know, complete and, and utter belief that, uh, you know, we could do this, um, albeit that we, uh, you know, lost our first, our first game, our opening test against New Zealand, um, that sort of hope and belief, determination, and attitude towards preparation uh, was unwavering. Um, you know, I think that obviously played a massive role in our in our victory there. Uh, but in the same breath, you know, I look back to 2015. Um, you know, bar the opening game against Japan, which respect to them, but we were completely complacent there, and uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. paid a heavy price for that. Uh, but at the end of the day, we lost. We lost in the semi-final to New Zealand by two points. Um, you know, Dan Carter got a drop kick there. You know, I still remember that ball just you know flying over my fingertips. Um, and there you have it. There's the game. You know, they I say that hadn't happened, hadn't have happened. Uh, you know, we were we stood a good chance of taking Australia in the final. Um, but I mean, that's the way rugby sometimes go. Those margins are really tight, and uh, you know, obviously, you can argue that um, uh, you need to be ready to take opportunities when they do present themselves. Perhaps we didn't uh, mm -hmm. do that in prior years, um, but we certainly did do that in in uh, two thousand and nineteen. The the twenty fifteen campaign was an interesting one, as you mentioned, lost in the opening game against Japan, and then in, at the end came up just short of beating the eventual champions in the semi-final against the All Blacks. Um, how did that campaign turn around from the, the desperate lows of that, of that first week? You know, moving on from, from the defeat against Japan to Birmingham, it was, a, it was a bleak time for the Springboks. I think knives were out. It was dark days. How did, how did you guys turn that around to, get, to end up getting so close 
to actually knocking New Zealand out of the competition? I think that um, you know, I think as 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 any person, any situation, what you you know, what what what, what you fall back on when things don't go your way is your uh, your level of preparation. Um, you obviously look at your your track record of what you can achieve and what you can't achieve, and you know, try and find middle ground there. Um, you know, and I think we were well, we were uh, utterly, utterly disappointed with that performance in ourselves uh, on behalf of South Africa, our fans, um, and you know what what we set out to achieve at this World Cup. Um, and I think it was a big lesson learned for us, um, a lesson that we've. South Africa has carried with this with with itself to this day. Um, you know, it was something we were we were conscious of going into the twenty nineteen World Cup. But uh, you know, I think as 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 Rassi rightly said in you know in a, in a couple of his uh, speeches in this World Cup was you know as a player you don't really have a right to feel sorry for yourself. You know, you need to instantly immediately take in what's happened, um, learn from it, understand why it happened, how it happened. And how we can make it better, um, and uh, it was a terrible and dark time. Um, you know, we were in a foreign country. Uh, all we had uh, as a team was one another, um, and we, we we managed to pull together, and bounce back quite nicely. Um, I feel sorry for the teams in our pool that were off to Japan because we sort of unleashed our wrath on them. Um, but then it was uh, back into World Cup mode, back into winning mode, back into a mindset mm-hmm. of we can we can win this World Cup. We're going to give it everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be in a semi-final. But uh, you know, that's that's sometimes the way that the ball bounces. Mm-hmm. You looking back at your career uh, in, in the earlier years, you were you played a starting role mostly as open side flank. You're in there as a as a number eight. Uh, while later on, especially the last two years under Rassi, you were used quite quite often off the bench. Um, as one of the senior players in the squad, um, how important is it to you know to not only have fresh legs late in the match, but that kind of experience on the field as well? Yeah, I think uh, um, I think as as we've proven in the World Cup that um, you know the guys that 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 come off the bench uh, do play a vital role um, you know, in in securing those victories. Um, and I, I think as I've said before, you know we had. Uh, quite a different outlook to what our job was uh, and what we had to do. Um, you know, quite often at the games we either had to close the game out or you know try and try and pull a victory out the hats in the last you know last couple of minutes. Um, so I mean, the, the stakes were usually fairly high uh, for the guys coming on, uh, making those replacements. Um, you know, and we, you know, we. We as we, we we as a bench completely bought into that, you know. Um, got a cool nickname at one stage, um, and <laughs> uh, you know, I think I think back at some of the games that we that we played, um, you know, prior to the World Cup uh, in the Championship last year, end of your tour in France, um, you know, there's some some big plays that had to be made, and uh, the fact that those players coming on uh, played with the confidence that they did, they weren't just trying to um, you know, either impress the coach with their performance to try and get a start next week or uh, play safe as in not to make a mistake and be dropped the following week. Um, you know, every single one of those players coming on 
and the mindset of there's a job to be done uh, and we need to execute it. We have to execute it. There's no excuse. There's no, there's no moments uh, to waste. Um, we need to get out there and, and do the job, uh, which is often quite tough. Um, you know, you say you come on with fresh legs, uh, but you know, if you, you're on the field for 20 minutes, you somehow just never get that second breath and you somehow feel more exhausted than you do if you played a full test match. Um, but it's, uh, I mean, it was, it, it, it was, it was a role that I embraced, um, uh, that I enjoyed, uh, you know, towards the end. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I'd, I'd like to think that I played my part and helped, helped South Africa, uh, to that road, uh, to victory on that road to victory. Well, you certainly played your part when it mattered most and, and rugby is often about, you know, big moments in a match. Um, so I want to, I want to talk to you about. That, that steal against Wales, it was a very, very tight game, uh, the semi-final, but you got your hands on the ball. Um, I think we won a penalty, kicked it out, and from the from the ensuing line-out mall, there was another penalty, and, and Andre managed to kick the, the three points that, that basically put the box into the, into the World Cup final last year. Um, those big moments, how do you know how to pick them, how to, you know, when they come about, what, what goes through your mind when that happens on the field? Yeah, I think that, I think in those moments it's um, it's not often a conscious decision that's made that you're going to you know you're going to do that uh, the same as you know Cheslin Colby stepping three players with one step is not really a conscious decision it's uh, it's in the moments uh, it's his uh, circus trick um, and it's you know it's his instinct that he uses it's his years of, of playing and training. Um, and trying to really refine, um, you know, his talent, his skill. Um, I think that's something that I've, that I've, I've tried to do at least um, when it comes to that area of the game. Um, you know, it is an area that I've, I've focused on. It suits my style of play. And uh, in that moment, um, isn't time to think about, um, you know, uh, trying to calculate every every uh, risk, every opportunity, um you know how the game's going. You, you you sort of fall back into what you you know best, what you've been training to do. Um, mm-hmm. I do I do I do look back at that clip and I get I get quite nervous because you know had had the penalty gone the other way, uh, you know I, I would have potentially swung the momentum into Wales's uh, uh, direction or into their hands. So um, I'm very relieved I pulled that off. But uh, it was very much in the moment thing, um, and I think it was it was a discussion we actually had the week prior to that that test. In one of our team meetings, that um, you know, let let every individual focus on on what they're great at, and make sure, and you as the individual, make sure that you execute on that. Um, you know, same mm-hmm. as the kicker, Andre Pollard. You know, taking his his shots at goal, that's his job. Or you know, um, Bongi or the Beast uh, having to sit down in the scrum and and doing what they do best there. Or you know, Mumpimpi going for the high balls and. Um, you know, shredding players with his sidestep. That's his. That's his trick. Mm-hmm. He needs to fuck up, and he needs to execute that. You have to execute on the big stage at the highest pressures. Um, mm-hmm. So, very, very pleased that I managed to do it in that. In that instance. <laughs> <laughs> it it worked out well. I want to I want to speak a bit about Wales. Obviously, uh, you made your test debut against them. Um, the box played against them in 2011 in a pool match at the Rugby World Cup. Um, I don't think you played in that match, but then. A quarter final in 2015, a semi final in 2019, 
and and they were coached by Warren Gatland in all of these matches. Who he did quite well, I think, in his in his 12, 13 seasons as as Wales coach. Uh, Wales is also just around the corner from Bath. Um, and next year, uh, Warren Gatland will be coming to South Africa as coach of the British and Irish Lions. Um, just looking at him as a coach and and his record and what he does with with Wales, or what he has done with with Wales. What do you think we can expect from the Lions next year? I think we can expect uh, quite an exciting um, campaign. Uh, you know, I think the Lions uh, want to prove a point. Um, you know, I think Warren Gatlin will want to prove a point against South Africa. Um, and we're obviously the reigning world champions. So there's the added uh, pressure of, um, you know, keeping keeping that title, uh, you know, justified. Um uh, the Lions is obviously a, a, a team that's with a lot of history, a lot of heritage. Uh, obviously, unfortunately, missed out in the 2009 tour, um, you know, to play for Western Province against the Lions. Um, you know, something that uh, I really wish I'd done. But, uh, you know, once again, it's, it's sort of the way that things uh, panned out. Um, I think they're going to come wanting to, uh, wanting to, to prove a huge point. Uh, are they going to come wanting to look to, I'm sure, whitewash South Africa? Um, but obviously, recently being involved in that squad with those guys, um, I don't, I don't think that's going going to happen. <laughs> that's that's good news for for Springbok fans, I'm sure. But you've also got the the added benefit of knowing um, the players from England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales quite well, um, having played your rugby up there in Bath for the last. What's it now? A decade almost. Um, how do they see the the Lions tour to South Africa? How do how do the players view coming here and facing facing the the world champions in twenty twenty one? I think it's an exciting prospect for a um, you know a British or Irish player. Um, you know, obviously to represent your country is is huge. Uh, it's a pinnacle. Um, but then here over here, there's a there's an extra little step um you know making the lion squad that you're part of the best of the best um you're good enough to play for your country uh but you're good enough to play for a team um you know obviously uh, that's of a collective countries and you're the best out of that group so it's it's a level up it's a big motivation for the guys over here they all want to be involved in that they all want to be selected and be able to play a test match uh with the lion shirt on um and I'm sure they'll be relishing the opportunity to play South Africa. Obviously, uh, um, a big bulk of the team is usually made up of English players. Um, and obviously, us having beaten them just recently in the final, I think they'll have a point to prove. Um, you know, they uh, the Lions, uh, those players become become a different team when they have that Lions shirt on them for some other reason. Um, you know, they, uh, mm-hmm. they're a good outfit. They have been in the past. Um uh, it's a it's a tough tour for them. They play a lot of midweek games. They come over what with, with about, you know two full squads, um, and they you know expect to perform on a test match level. But I think to have it in South Africa uh, is is a big excitement for the guys over here, especially for the fans. Everyone's uh, talking about it at, at this stage and, and looking forward to a tour over in South Africa. Um, you know, I, I believe it's going to provide for a for an awesome spectacle. I think everyone is pretty excited for 
the the coming to end next year, especially you know having not seen any rugby for the last couple of months here in South Africa. I want to go back a bit. Um, give us a few of the of the biggest highlights of your of your Springbok career, please, Flo. Um, well, definitely my debut. Um, you know, that was a surreal moment in in, in Wales. Um, the test in was it 2013, uh, South Africa versus uh, New Zealand uh, at Ellis Park. Um, we had to we had to win that game with a bonus point to win the championship, um, and we did that. We scored four tries, um, and very unfortunately, we let New Zealand in to score a fifth try. Uh, you know, which was sad. We lost that game, but it is it does stand out as one of the highlights highlight games of my career um you know nine tries in it for a test match uh, at altitude um a special day a special game um but obviously not one that that went our way in the end um then one have to say the uh, 2019 world cup to japan uh you know not only for the reason that we we won that world cup um but the experience of you know spending nine weeks out in japan experiencing that culture um, you know the build-up to that, uh, uh, the group of of players, the, the team uh, was quite special, and uh, you know just just full with mm-hmm. good with good memories from that. First and last test, and a few in between. Um, who were the best opponents that you ever faced uh, on the rugby field? That's a pretty tricky question, actually. Um, you know, I've I've been very fortunate to play against the best of the best. I think in not only in in this era, but perhaps ever in the game. Um, and I've got to say, uh, a lot of them are South African players. You know, playing in in, in uh, the, the earlier part of my career in the Super Rugby and Curry Cup. Um, uh, you know, guys like Farid Dupreer, um, You know, playing against and with Brian Abanner, Um you know, uh, Sean Smith, um, Victor and uh, Matfield and Bucky's Puerta. Um, I mean, that's only to, to name a few, really. Uh, but those are the domestic guys that stick out, I think. Uh, but internationally, uh, you know, my position as a, as a, as a flanker, as an open side, uh, you know, at, at one stage, every, every team sort of had, had quite an elite player in that position. Um, so it was it was quite nice for me in that regard to to play against uh, those guys who were really the best best of the best uh, you know in their day uh, guys like George Smith, Phil Wall, uh, Richie McCall, David Pocock, um, Terry Desitois. Um, you know again that's that's to mm-hmm. name a few and those mm-hmm. are the guys I played opposites um, and then obviously some unbelievable backs uh, you know playing against guys like um, you know Dan Carter. Uh, you know, un- unbelievable player. Um, you know, it's it's. <laughs> I could I can name a hundred. Uh, you know, Craig Cooper <laughs> in Australia in his heyday. Um, you know, someone you didn't really want to be have a one on one with. Um, but I really have been fortunate. As I said, you know, not only to I think play against some of the top players in, in this era, but have some of the best players ever to play the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we wrap up, um, Flo, you you are known as someone who likes to explore and experience places while on tour. What stands out for you in this regard, uh, especially during the years touring with the Springboks all over the world? I think that's 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 one of the biggest bonuses of my career is that rugby literally took me all over the world. Um, 
from Romania to Japan. Um, you know, some of the crazier places I've been, and then obviously Australasia, um, you know, South America, uh, all over Europe. Um, it, it's it's such a such a blessing to have had a career that that, that gives you that opportunity. Um, but I've got to say, some of the highlights, uh, as I just mentioned, I was Japan. Um, somewhere I didn't think I'd, I'd probably ever go. Uh, but you know, having having gone there for nine weeks was quite surreal to experience that to experience that culture. Um, the place that we always enjoy is Argentina. Um, three reasons: um, <laughs> the red wine, the red meat, uh, and the rugby. Not necessarily in that order, but. <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those, are, those, are, those are three good options um, and then you, you know Europe's always great uh, uh, end of year tour autumn the autumn uh, internationals uh, you know spending time in Paris um, you know in Ireland in Dublin you know such amazing cities obviously in London with winning camp uh, uh, difficult to really say uh, what's my favourite what's my best Um but uh, the, I think the the other nice thing is that uh, you know for the domestic tests that we played in South Africa, it was really like going on tour for me because I'm obviously based in the UK now. So uh, playing those home games uh, in South Africa was was tour for me and, and and always nice to to be back in South Africa. Of course. And before we say goodbye, um, just a little bit about your plans now that you're retired. Anything you wanna you wanna tell us about what what's Francois Logan gonna get up to next? Yes, uh, COVID sort of accelerated uh, all of that. Um, you know, I've had a lot more time at home, so uh, let's, let's push the, the next phase a little bit closer. Um, but we are working on putting together a financial advisory firm uh, that will have a specific sports arm dedicated to professional athletes, um, helping them, you know, create and build uh, life goals and formulate financial strategies around that to achieve those goals. Um, you know, it's ultimately financial advice uh, and uh, working with, with, with athletes uh, of, of, of all disciplines and putting them in the best, best position they can be. Well, good luck with that, Flo. Um, I'm sure you will tackle this next chapter in your life with vigor and make sure you get over it properly uh, without the opportunity of oppositions getting the ball. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Francois. I really appreciate it. It was great catching up and good luck with your with your retirement. And um, hopefully we'll see you in South Africa. I, I suppose you're going to stay in the UK for a bit longer, but hopefully we'll see you back in South Africa sometime, sometime in the next couple of years. Thank you, Jeff. So up goes Willem Alberts. Couple of those Wallabies forwards hanging out. They might have to get involved. As a way burst, Francois Lowe. Francois Lowe gets his third try in international rugby. Thank you for listening and please join us again for the next SA Rugby podcast. For more, click on springbox.rugby or check out our social media channels.